trust him He's only here for one thing, but A little bit older A black leather jacket A bad reputation Insatiable habits He was on to me One look and I couldn't breathe yeah. I said if he kissed me I might let it happen Make her forget what she learned from her dad. I don't be tripping on this shawty. I let her do whatever she please. I don't be kissing on this shawty. She don't be kissing on me either. She came with you and left with me. I went up a point. Let's call it even. Don't like the car. She ain't gonna end up buying her new beam. That girl know what she wants. She make me take it off if she see me. She say I make her wet whenever my face pop up on TV. I had to say no disrespect. Gotta do it safer. You can keep it. Pop star. I'm fresh about the trap and I'm going fever. She know I'm gonna call the way. She can drop a pin and I come meet her. Stand next to me. You gonna end up catching a fever. I'm hot.
sandwich Two bottles and we still standing This one's out to the Charlie Brown I'm loving it, loving it, old school anthems Smelling like cocoa but I'm in Versace blue jeans Ben Sherman top with blue jeans Going in, living my movie Ben Tekkers, I'm a steppers It was art how I dodged that badness In the corner, smoking the madness EDL, Bold Britain, the sound of the streets coming through your aerial. Big nasty, all over your
All right, you guys can hear me, yes? All right, we still have about 15 minutes. Make sure the drinks are full, because I know you're not going to want to get up when we're nerding out. So now's the time to get whatever you need, and we will. It's your 15-minute, I don't want to say it's a warning, because nothing bad is happening. So 15 minutes to more awesomeness. <laughs>
five, five, five minutes. Five minutes until Nerd Night. Last one of 2021 kicks off.
I've been infected with restless whispers and cheats. They're manifested in words and the lies that you speak. I've been infected with restless whispers and cheats. They're manifested in words and the lies that you speak. I've been infected with restless whispers and cheats. They're manifested in words and the lies that you speak. I've been infected with restless whispers and cheats. They're manifested in words and the lies. That you speak Because I played the fool For you 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 Because I With restless whispers and cheats, they're manifested in words and the lies that you speak. I've been infected with restless whispers and cheats, they're manifested in words and the lies that you speak. I've been infected with restless whispers and cheats, they're manifested in words and the lies that you speak. I've been infected with restless whispers and cheats, they're manifested in words and the lies that you speak. Because I played the fool for you Because I played the fool for you Because I played the fool for you Because I played the fool I, I think I should be behind. Dear, could you turn that first knob a little bit higher? Just enough so that we don't get that much feedback, but being in front of that speaker doesn't work with the microphone. That's your nerdy sound thing for today. Don't put the microphone in front of the speaker. <laughs> All right, how's everybody doing tonight? Thanks for coming out, nerds. So my name is Flip Awesome Aguilera. I say it every time, yes. My middle name literally is awesome. And welcome to Nerd Night Colorado Springs. Give yourselves a hand. All right. So Nerd Night has a bit of an identity crisis. Their original, what's that word called? Tagline. The original tagline is be there and be square, which is what we use on the gram and all those places. But that's not as fun as the sum of the ones we've come up with later. How many of you used to have cable like in 2005, right? Everybody used to have cable. Back during the cable days, it was called, it's like the Discovery Channel with beer. But who has cable anymore and who has the Discovery Channel? So now it's been dubbed more recently. You can barely see it, but it says like boozy TED Talks, right? So this is kind of, actually, we just found out Nerd Night is the biggest organization of its kind behind TED Talks. So we're doing a good job of growing the nerdy community all around the world. So yes, again, my name is Flip Awesome Aguilera. This wonderful young lady over here is my wife, Maritza Aguilera. This is us at a nerd night in Miami where I asked her to marry me. So how awesome is that? 
So as I said, Nerd Night is now in about 95 cities all over the world. And most recently, we added Colorado Springs to that because there's a lot of awesome nerdy people in Colorado Springs. And we thought this place needs nerdy things. So how many of you is it your first time here at Nerd Night? All right, so all you first timers, I know what you're thinking because I'm psychic. You didn't know I was psychic, right? So you're thinking, what would I present about if I was in a room full of drunk people that were really smart? How many of you were thinking that, first timers? All right. So if you're interested in ever doing a Nerd Night talk, we're always looking for more presenters. You can get more information at Nerd Night, or you can email us at nerdnightcos at gmail.com, and one of us will answer you back and uh, see what it is you want to nerd out about and get you in the pipeline. So today there is a contest. There is a contest. Next, next, next slide. We are on the Facebook, on the gram, Nerd Night COS. So if you haven't liked us, please like us in all those places. And today we have a competition that we're going to give away a prize. Where's the prize? It's a surprise surprise, but it's a surprise prize, right? And today's surprise is going to be if you go to Instagram before the end of the night, and what is it that you need to do? Like and comment. If she, picks your if she picks your comment, you will win the surprise prize. Yes? Sounds good. All right. So you can stalk us at cos.nerdnight.com. That's what it kind of looks like. And over here, you can see this little video. That's the video of me asking her to marry me. So go check it out. Tell us what you think. Um, thank you, Kawadi. Let's put a hand together for Kawadi, our host. They've been very patient with us, yes, as we've been with them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this is an amazing spot, so thank you. And thank you, Colorado Springs. Give yourself another hand for being amazing. Tonight, let's see, what are our nerdy topics for tonight? Presentation number one, we have how Ammonite science informs Ammonite art by Steve Miller. Presentation number two, A Cosmic Perspective by Rachel English and Jeff Gania. I hope I said that right. And presentation number three, Nikola Tesla, the man, the myth, the legend that spent time here in Colorado Springs. So that's what we're going to nerd out about tonight. So with that, let's call our first presenter up, Mr. Steve Miller. Not of the Steve Miller band, but of the Steve Miller Fossil Collectors. So let's see here. Let me put that there. This is for you. Okay, let's get underway. Tonight I'm going to talk about how Ammonite science informs Ammonite art. And to get to uh, the gist of things, we have to know what Ammonites are, or rather what they were. Ammonites were creatures that lived in marine environments about 300... Thank you, Flip. About 380 million years ago to about 66 million years ago. 
So they live for about 312 million years. It's quite a run for an animal. And they were sort of squid-like animals. They had tentacles. They were mollusks. And they lived in chambered shells. But the shells had very interesting shapes um, and ornamentation. Today, they're only known by their fossils, some of which are very small and some of which are quite large. So there's a lot of variety in the ammonite world. So ammonites attracted my attention as an avocational paleontologist. And specifically, my interest is in ammonites of the Western Interior Seaway. Western Interior Seaway was a paleogeographic I'm sorry, this is a paleogeographic image showing the Epiric Seaway caused by eustatic sea level. Now, we're going to do a drinking game, and this is the first slide. Any word that you have never heard, if you hear three words you've never heard, bottoms up, okay? Um, if you have any uh, um, understanding of earth science, maybe every word or so that you haven't heard. So, and uh, we also have this to give you a little clue. So again, every three words. All right, so this is paleogeography. This is the continent of North America, about what it looked like 85 million years ago, the state of Colorado is right here, okay? Colorado was totally submerged. Rocky Mountains were still well under sea level. So I want to show you this falling fossils fill the flooded floor. So you have a sea and you have ammonites that live and die and get buried and they're under sea. And this volcano plays a pretty important role in the process because occasionally the volcano would erupt, ash would go out over the seaway and fall and you would get a thin layer of ash falling in the, uh, in the seaway. So over time, this process repeats itself. You have more and more ammonites that die, ammonites that are evolving. And ammonites, aside from not being very interesting, really are important because they evolved rapidly. And because they evolved rapidly, the shapes of their shells also evolved rapidly. So in this seaway, we've got a pile of mud, we've got ammonites of decreasing age, and this, this mud is punctuated by these uh, bentonites. These are ash falls. So geologists for the U.S. Geological Survey for years and years collected ammonites, over 14,000 ammonites across the United States. And here we're only looking at Colorado and in the Colorado Springs and Pueblo area. So. We, we know these ammonites are out there, and we pull them out of the rocks, but then we've got to put them in order. And as we put them into order, we do this by arranging them. This graph shows time from about 93 million to about 88 million years ago. And here you can see some ammonites had uh, a pretty long run, other ammonites not so long, and some ammonites only coexisted. Um, and uh, um, some ammonites, again, lived longer than others. Certain ammonites were picked to become index ammonites. 
And in this eye chart here, these are index ammonites. An index ammonite is an ammonite that is widely distributed. It's easy to identify. It's abundant. But most importantly, it has a very short time um, during which it lived. Again, these animals evolved rapidly, so any one species only lived for a very short period of time. So out of all those 14,000 uh, locations where fossils were collected, geologists were able to put the, the ammonites in sequence and then using the bentonite or the ashfall, they can create uh, dates. So they can divide, subdivide geologic time down into uh, a very relatively fine um, time span. This chart represents from about 90 million years ago to 66 million years ago. And these are 66 different ammonites that are used to represent this time. This one is Collignanoceros wolgari. And uh, this was an index ammonite that was uh, pretty important um, uh, for a project. But what this allows us to do is this allows us to do lithostratigraphy, biostratigraphy, and biochronology. Lithostratigraphy is a description of the rocks as they incur, as they occur in order. Biostratigraphy is the sequence of ammonite fossils in the sequence they occur. And biochronology is the ability to use fossils to date rocks. So if I pick up a fossil in one place, I can pick up a fossil in Otero County, I can take it out to Montrose, and I can find rocks that look really different but have the same fossils. So using biochronology, I can make sure that those rocks are the same age. So I was invited to participate in a project in Canyon City uh, we worked with uh, fossils from the, uh, sorry, fossils from the U.S. Geological Survey collection that was in Denver. This collection has since been moved to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. But we made replicas of these fossils, and this was my part of the project, and I made these replicas, I embedded them in rocks, and we put them in stands on a trail. So this is part of an interpretive trail you can see today in Canyon City. And uh, this got me very interested in, in doing more kinds of this sort of concrete casting art. So I decided, hey, why not try to learn something new? So I'm going to teach myself how to sculpt ammonites. So I went to Hobby Lobby and bought a box of clay. It's rather mud, okay? And I created a rather fundamental shape and put some ribs and stuff on it. And it wasn't a very pleasing outcome. I didn't think it looked real. It was just sort of a curly thing with a bunch of blobs on it. So I decided to take a, um, a plaster replica of one of my fossils and complete the fossil on the other side. And I laid it out and I stuck a few ribs in there and uh, again wasn't really satisfied. So then I decided, okay, it's time to get serious and go to the literature because the literature describes ammonites and it describes them very well. So, here we go with some, some new terms. This is, this is an ammonite called Memites notosoides. And over here is the, the specimen that I picked up um, along Tempest Creek down in Otero County. This is a sculpture that I started working on. It's, it's 3D, it's both sides of the ammonite. So, by looking at the literature, I know that the ribs of the ammonite, they're straight and they're rectoradial. Rectoradial means that the ribs radiate directly out from the umbilicus 
in a straight line. They don't lean toward the opening and they don't lean back. They just go straight. Some ribs extend to the umbilicus and others rise from umbilical tubercles and a few are intercalate. So I'm going to back up and we'll walk through that. So the ammonite has these ribs as you can see here but I wanted to make my ribs a little little stronger but the ribs are straight some ribs extend to the umbilicus some ribs come the whole way down to this inner wall here this inner wall is called the umbilicus and others rise from umbilical tubercles these are the bumps down here some of them are right on the umbilicus and a few of the ribs are intercalate. Intercalated ribs are, are ribs that occur in between the full length ribs. These are just partial ribs on the side of the ammonite itself. And another thing is that all of the ribs bear nodate lower ventrolateral tubercles and clavate upper ventrolateral tubercles. Okay, anybody can say that if you know what this means then. What it means is that you've got a, two rows of bumps and this inner row of bumps, these are the lower ventrolateral tubercles, are nodate, so they're round. And these upper bumps up here are clavate. Those, if you can imagine taking a rounded node and then pinching it, okay, and it makes it kind of flattened, that's called clavate. So by looking at the literature then, I can actually reproduce an ammonite with, without making it look like some sort of a just hacked up throw together project. And I've been doing this now for quite a while. But there's another aspect of this as well. And that is if we have two ammonites on one horizon. So this is a, uh, um, a composition I was, was playing with. And these are a couple of the ammonites that I've sculpted and cast as models. But the question is, is scientifically, is this correct? Do these two ammonites co-occur? Were they co-extant? And there is an answer to that. All of the work that the USGS did, the US Geological Survey, um, also included these drawings where the rock column was actually drawn where the geologists went out and measured. And they went out literally with a tape or a staff and they measured the thickness of rocks and the different kinds of rock. You have these hard rocks. You can see the hard rocks have fossils associated with them because those hard rocks are limestone. These other rocks are more like shale and marl. They don't preserve fossils very well. But the two fossils that are in this, this is Vascoceras birchbii, and this is Watanaceras coloradoense, do, do occur together in bed 97 of the Bridge Creek limestone. Bridge Creek Limestone member of the Greenhorn Formation. Greenhorn Formation was deposited in that photo you saw where Colorado was completely submerged. So during the time uh, that Colorado was completely underwater, these fossils did co-occur. So by looking at the literature and, and the descriptions of the fossils and looking at the description of the rocks that bear the fossils, then I can make decisions about how to lay out, um, sculpt, and uh, compose my works. So I want to thank uh, first Flip and Maritza for hosting Nerd Night. Big hand.
all right? I want to acknowledge Kevin McKinney. He's USGS paleontologist up in Denver. He's in Lakewood, rather, and he's retired now. And Dan Grenard, a BLM geologist, is also retired. Uh, this photo is, is an ammonite that I created um, working with the literature that described this ammonite. This is the USGS replica of a type fossil. The original is at the, at the Smithsonian. And I thought it would be fun to put these two side by side because I pressed this with clay while looking at this in a book. And uh, um, I also have the, the, the younger ribs, which were totally crushed in this specimen, um, which again also came from the literature. So uh, it's, it's been uh, very helpful. If you're interested in uh, any of the fossils, or, uh, or especially the fossils, the artwork, um, you can follow up. You can look into the Western Interior Paleontological Society. Uh, I'm a member there. Uh, you can look at the Colorado Springs Mineralogical Society. They have a fossil interest group. And you can also go out to Red Rock Canyon open space and you can see ammonite fossils on the trail that goes on that first hogback ridge up at the parking lot there off 31st Street. So if you go up there and you get up on the, it's the I think it's Niobrara, the Fort Hayes limestone. It's the Codell on the right, Fort Hayes to the left. And if you go up that trail, you'll see some ammonites embedded in the sides of the rocks there. It's very cool. Questions? Anybody have any questions? Yes, Maritza. Yes. Professionally? Okay. What did I do professionally, and, and how did I get into this as a hobby? Professionally, I've, I worked in high tech for years. I'm retired now. I started 15 years ago as a paleontologist, and only five years ago I started working as an artist um, uh, doing uh, ammonites, and that has been um, a much longer. Um, but yet more uh, fruitful effort than I had anticipated when I started. Uh, you c it, it's very difficult to sit down and knock one of these things out quickly. So, uh, but I came into this for, from a total technical background uh, with no art skill whatsoever. Um, but the more I go and the more I produce, the less I rely on the literature. Any other questions? All right, thank you very much. One more thing, if you're interested. Go ahead. If you're interested, I did bring some models um, to take a look at. Oh, yes. In, in there. Hello, hello, testing, testing. Can you hear me? Hi. All right. Thank you so much, Steve. That was fascinating. We saw him at Fossil Day in uh, the, at the uh, Garden of the Gods Welcome Center, and we had to have him here. So uh, thank you so much. He just mentioned that if you guys are interested during the break, you can approach him. He brought some fossils with him. So if, if you want to see, feel, touch fossils, he's your man.
Um, right now, we're going to do a little something called Nerd Trivia. So, Nerd Trivia. Right now, who famously said, be nice to nerds, chances are you'll end up working for one. Raise hands. Yes, sir. Mr. Bill Gates. Now, let's all be good little boys and girls, and please raise your hand if you think that you know the answer to the question, okay? Which cryptocurrency had multiple conspiracy theories circulating about it online in 2017? Who's a crypto nerd? Anyone? Yes. Bitcoin. Good job. All right. What is the name of the first major optical telescope to be placed in space? Yes. The Hubble Space Telescope. All right, guys. Now, the year was 1990. That was a bonus, but I forgot about that. Sorry. Um, follow, like, review, share us, Facebook, Instagram. Remember about today's contest. You guys, I've been checking the, the gram, and it's not doing so good, okay? Like, you need to step it up. Like us on Instagram. Send us a comment on any one of your favorite pictures that I've posted up on there. I'm the one that manages that account, okay? So I want to see some love. Um, this is the prize that you will be getting. It's another amazing prize. Our last contest winner last time, last month, is sitting right over there. And I think that she could say that I give pretty good prizes, okay? So I'm just going to put it out there. Um, Remember to visit Mandy Penn. Take a picture at the photo booth. Take a picture with Mandy Penn. Um, she'll be more than happy to do that with you. Uh, and go grab a drink, get something to eat, reconvene. You've got about 10, 15 minutes break, and then we'll be back with our second presenters, our first dual presenters of Nerd Night, Colorado Springs. Todo lo que 
3G, how does it sound up there? Awesome, thank you. All right, nerds, it's time to come back. I hope you refilled those drinks, got some more food. 
spoke to the nerd next to you, especially if you didn't know them. If you did know them, well, just make your friendships deeper. Make them deeper. All right, so now, next, we've got, let's see, boom, is Rachel English and Jeff Gania. Where are you? There they are. How are you? So I don't know how you guys are going to uh, do the microphone thing, but let me tell you this. Pressing down is forward, pressing up is backward, and this bottom one is that if you need it. So who wants this first? I do. All right. It's on the right side of your ear. You can clip that wherever you like. <laughs> nice. There it is. Awesome. Uh, all right. Thank you. You want time checks? Thank you. I will not stand in front of that guy. Hello, everybody. I'm Jeff Gagne. I'm the programs manager at Space Foundation Discovery Center here in Colorado Springs. That is my boss, Rachel English. She is the director of Space Foundation Discovery Center, still here in Colorado Springs. No, it hasn't moved yet. All right, raise your hand if you have been to the Space Foundation Discovery Center. <laughs> All right, that is not enough, and that's why we're here. So, part of Nerd Night COS uh, in talking with our wonderful hosts is both nerding out and highlighting local venues, so we are going to be doing both of those today. Rachel's going to be helping me, and we are going to get started. So, where have we been? Where are we going? This one is a cosmic perspective. This is a presentation in two parts. First, we are going to talk about some space fun, and we are going to see if you guys know some stuff. So, we are going to try to make you go, hmm, that's interesting, I didn't know that, and then we are going to try to blow your mind like kids on our field trips. So, let's see if we can do that. How is this space talk going to go? Raise your hand if you think the Earth is flat. I'm going to need you to leave the premises, sir. Walk around the entire planet. Come on back. We'll wait. And we want to know your answer then. Thanks, brother. All right. No, it is not. No, it is not flat. And no, we have not stayed here the entire time. Depending on what scientists you talk to or listen to or believe, human beings have been on Earth in between 30,000 and 100,000 years. We have only left the planet in the last 60. Think about that for a second. That is an infinitesimal amount of time, and that's just from when human beings have been walking the planet the way we are now. So where have we gone? So far, with humans, we have only gone two places. Number one, low Earth orbit. That is not far at all. Is it in space? Yes. Check. Are the billionaires having a little fight on whether or not they've become astronauts? Yes. Am I absolutely entertained that the FAA slapped them down and said, yeah, you didn't go high enough? That is hilarious. But we have left, 
and we have gone to low Earth orbit. First, hmm, I didn't know that. Everyone think back to when you were in the fourth grade. Your fourth grade class had a regular classroom globe that we all walk by and spin, and we hope our friend Timmy gets his finger caught in between the spinning globe and the bars, what hurts, just not us. I would like you, with your fingers, to show me how high Earth's atmosphere would raise above a regular classroom globe. Don't be shy. You guys are nerds, we participate. How high? You can stretch it out. Okay. We've got 10, 12 inches. We've got 3, 4 inches. 8, 10. 6, 8. Okay, more than a foot, two feet. Oh, we've got a tiny little fraction. We've got a couple of feet there. Excellent. Mr. Flip, you are the closest. He had his fingers very close together. Do you guys remember your classroom globe? Of course you do. You remember how it's shiny on the outside? That lacquer that's on the outside of your classroom globe is as thick as Earth's atmosphere if the Earth is the scale model of what the Earth would be. The lacquer is how thick it is. So low Earth orbit, not really going to space. Going somewhere is going into space, which we have done so far six times with human beings. We sent more spacecraft than that to the moon, but only 12 people ever walked on the moon with those Apollo missions. We all know about Apollo 13. Thank God they made a movie about it. That's the one we all know. No, Tom Hanks did not go to space. However, Captain Kirk did, just recently. Now, two cool things about the moon missions are actually not from the landings. They are from before the landings. Bravest men to ever be in the space program, the crew of Apollo 8. If you do not know about the Apollo 8 mission, learn about it. They leapfrogged, they being NASA, leapfrogged a lot of steps along the way that they normally held as gospel that they would not break to send astronauts to the moon and orbit. Absolutely crazy that those three guys said, yep, I'll go. Really cool mission. Then. The guy on the planet with the largest balls ever is Commander Tom Stafford, the commander of Apollo 10. Apollo 10 did everything that Apollo 11 did except for land on the moon. It stopped in orbit with a lunar lander 47,000 feet shy of landing on the surface and Tom Stafford, raise your hand if you have kids. Some of us, raise your hand if they've ever done the, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? In the car? Yeah, we all know the joke. Imagine being the commander of Apollo 10 with two other grown men, badass astronauts, in a capsule with you that's about the size of where the three of us are. The entire way, you know the two of them were going, are we going to land? Are we going to land? Are we going to land? Tom, we got to land. we got to land. Don't leave it for Neil. we got to land. He said no when he came back. That takes guts. All right, so we do have a Mars. Just wanted to check. Now, we need to work on nerding. So, I have an Earth. If this is, 
Hold that for me. Thank you. If that is our Earth, which one is our moon? The tennis balls have it. The tennis balls have it. So if a volleyball is our Earth, a tennis ball is our moon. Rachel, if you would join me over here. I'm going to put the Earth on this wall. And I'm going to start right here. And I want you guys to tell me, based on this scale model of size, how far away our moon is in the night sky. I know you saw it coming in. It's beautiful. So tell me when to stop. All right, our first stops are right there, about four inches. Oh, a few more. Rachel, you want to take that? Keep going. How far? How far? Oh, that's a bunch. That's a bunch. I'm going to leave my earth right there. So far, this has been our most popular spot. Keep going. Earth is still there. We've got one that still wants to go. Anybody? Right there. All right, Rachel, keep going. Rachel, put the tennis ball on the glass wall on the other side of the stage. If this is our scale model in size of the Earth and the Moon, that is how far apart they are. I want you guys to think about that when you guys walk out of here tonight. Okay? because the moon is big and beautiful up there and you will see it. I want you to think about just how far away that is. Since our first guesses started right here at four inches away and stopping. That's how far away our moon is. All right, nerds, we are going to change the scale now because on that same scale, we cannot do in a 15 minute presentation an Earth, Moon, Mars system because we have been to Mars, only not with humans yet. So. We are going to change our scale, and we are going to reintroduce our Mars. Rachel, will you do me a favor and step down into the middle one? And for this one, we need a volunteer. We need Come on up, sir. First hand I see. Big brain, we are going to have you stand right down there at the bottom with your Mars. Here is the deal. Let's have you take one step right down there. Rachel, you're going to stand right next to me. Okay. We call this an Earth, Moon, Mars system. We, they are in a straight line right now. I get to stay here and be the Earth. This is where the Earth rotates, period. Rachel is going to take one step in this direction. And we have just shrunk that Earth, Moon scale to one adult walking step. Now, sir, what is your name? Vance. Vance is now Mars. Mars is going to start taking adult human walking steps in that direction, and we're going to tell Vance when to stop. <laughs> Nobody has told Vance to stop yet. That makes me wonder about Vance. I can buy a new softball. I'm fine. He can go. <laughs> All right, Vance, stop. Do we think that's far enough? No. <laughs> Raise your hand. Do you think that's far enough? Some of us. All right, Vance, come on back. 
Vance, these guys were not very nice to you. They were going to leave. They were going to let you leave and never come back. All right. To give you an idea, let's have Vance hold that back up again one more time. Hold up the moon. Earth, moon, and Mars. Scale, scale size, scale distance. Earth would be here, moon is here. On this scale that we just talked about, one quarter of a million miles. On average, Mars is 40 million miles away from the Earth, which means Vance would need to take 160 steps. I walked this just before I ordered my food. Halfway from where Vance is standing is the storefront on the other side of the street, which means, yes, out the door, and that's only halfway. Mr. Vance, thank you very much. Really appreciate it, my friend. So, why have we not been there with humans yet? Because it is really, really, really far away. And it is a small target. And turns out NASA doesn't like killing human beings. It, ha it has happened, but they really, really try not to. So they wait until it's safe. It's not safe yet, we have not gone yet, but we have gone with lots and lots of rovers and landers. There are two rovers that are still working on Mars right now. One of them is the Perseverance rover. If you don't know about it, just landed this year in February. It is doing amazing things and it brought a helicopter with it. If you have ever flown a quadcopter drone, imagine that kids today in high school are going to get internships and jobs quadcopter flying things on other planets and moons. Oh man, I want to go back and be a kid again. Now, is that the only place we've gone? No. Thinking about that scale, obviously every picture of the solar system you've ever seen is wrong because they have to change the scale to fit on a single image. So far, we have only been here with humans. We have sent rovers here, but we have sent spacecraft all the way out here and all the way over there in the Kuiper Belt out past the orbit of Neptune. What else is out there? There is some amazing stuff out there. These are just a couple of pictures this is my favorite picture of Saturn. It is actually very hard to see, but did you all know who's trying to, who's working on their holiday Christmas card? Which photo are we going to use for the family picture? Just one? Okay. Did you guys know that you can use this picture as a holiday Christmas card because you and your family are in it? This is a picture from the other side of Saturn from the sun. That tiny little dot right there is planet Earth. That is all of us from one b billion miles away. The Juno spacecraft has been orbiting Jupiter for years and has taken some of the most beautiful, mind-blowing pictures of a planet you will ever see. Please go look at more. And this snowman-looking rock is the farthest object from the Earth that has ever been closely explored. It is a Kuiper Belt object a billion miles past Pluto that the New Horizons spacecraft that flew by Pluto in 2015, four years later, did a flyby to study it and take these images. We have been some really, really cool places. 
This is the New Horizons spacecraft right here. The yellow is the orbit of Pluto. It has gone that far out. There are four spacecraft that have gone for further. One of them is still operational in Voyager 1, but it's not near anything, so it can't do any close flybys. There is a lot of stuff out there and really cool things, and we have barely scratched the surface. I want you guys to look at this picture and think about scale that we just talked about. We thought we were sending Mr. Vance far away, taking 180 steps. This is our entire solar system and the Kuiper Belt, and all of that is inside this little oval dot right here. Our entire solar system is surrounded by something called the Oort Cloud, which is millions of comets and pieces of ice and rock surrounding the solar system in 360 degrees. Now, my single favorite picture from space ever. This is where our minds go. I want everybody to participate in this one. Pretty, pretty, please. I will laser you out if you're not. This is called the Hubble Ultra Deep Field Image. Thank you for having a Hubble question uh, as part of the trivia. The Hubble Space Telescope has changed our understanding of the universe. Think about that for just a second. And then I want everybody to make me a thumbs up. And I want you to put it up at the sky. Don't be shy. We're all nerds. It's okay. Now I want everybody, put it at arm's length, I want everybody to look at the size of their thumbnail. The Hubble Space Telescope was put on a project to stare at a spot in the sky that human eyes could not see any light at all. Even from the darkest vantage point, we saw nothing. And Hubble stared at this spot night after night after night after night. Don't be shy. Hold your thumbs up. Look at that thumbnail again. In a spot this size on the sky, the Hubble Ultra Deep Field image contains approximately 10,000 galaxies. And every galaxy contains between 100 billion and 400 billion stars. Somebody's jaw just went, that's what I wanted. That's right. Now, give me one more time. I just did this in a field trip class today at the Discovery Center, and they went, ew, that's gross. Check this out. Put your thumbnail out. 10,000 galaxies in the spot of your thumbnail. Now. Imagine how many thumbnails it would take to cover the entire sky. And then double it because we can only see half of the sky. The southern hemisphere has the other half of it. The universe is mind-bending and is really cool to think about. Which turns out we do a lot at Space Foundation Discovery Center right back here in Colorado Springs. So, a different, perspective, a different perspective of where we have been and where we are going. Raise your hand if you have been to the Discovery Center before. Awesome, especially employees. Thank you for raising your hands, dude. Hey. <laughs> I am not talking to you. I am now talking to the rest of you. The number one quote that we hear is not, whoa, that's cool. 
sadly, it is still, oh, I didn't even know you guys were here. You all now know that we are here. What do we have? We have a lot of really cool stuff. We have a tool called Science on a Sphere, which is a six-foot sphere. I call it a reverse planetarium that hangs from the ceiling, and we can take you on a tour of the solar system that will make you go and be glad you came. And how's this? I will make you a promise since I didn't bring out throwing gifts. If you come to the Discovery Center and you do not leave with a, you come find Mr. Jeff, I will give you your money back, okay? We have a Mars yard where you can actually drive rovers exactly how JPL engineers do on Mars. We have real spacesuits, and my boss is working on getting more money to build a larger museum. It is going to be three or four? Three times the size somewhere in the next three to five years because the building that we are in is a long L-shaped building. The Discovery Center currently sits in one side of it. We now own the long middle section of it, which will be Discovery Center 2.0. What do we do up there? Field trips on dozens of topics. You name it, space or science related, we do it, and we do it really, really well. Uh, team building, is it just for kids and field trips? I know not everybody raised their hands for kids. Absolutely not. All of those same cool space and science activities that we do with kids, I think you, you grown-ups like most of them even more just because it's a break from your regular lives. Come do your team building with us. We have homeschool days if you know people. We do 3D story time on our Science on a Sphere like no other story time little kids have seen. Drive a rover just like a JPL engineer on our simulated Martian surface. And we have 3D printing labs. 3D printing is the next this. We never thought we would have these in our pockets. Uh, a lot of our parents or some of us never thought we would all have a computer in our lives or in our home. We all now have seven or eight because we don't get rid of them on computer recycling day. You know who you are. We are all going to have a 3D printer in our home and if not us, it will be our kids. Come learn how to use them. Come check out the cool stuff. We are Discovery Center. Any questions? I'm a space teacher. You can ask me anything about the universe. I know the answer. <laughs> Mr. Flip. What was the thing that sparked my interest in this field? When I was in high school, I was a sophomore in high school, I won an essay contest. What do I want to be when I grow up? I wrote about being an astrophysicist. I was lucky enough to grow up where my, in Massachusetts, my high school shared a property fence, go Pates, ah, shared a property fence with the New England Science Center. My winning essay got me an internship with the astronomer who ran the planetarium and was in charge of all the science exhibits in the museum. If you have ever met an astronomer, they are not social people. They don't like other people. That's why they sit alone in the dark and stare up at the sky. Yeah, I'm talking about you, buddy. 
Yes. So, come to find out, come to find out, I loved his planetarium and running the shows and answering the same four questions after every show. Have we really been to the moon? How do astronauts pee in space? I loved answering the same four questions over and over and over again. He hated it. After my internship was over, he offered me a job. Please come run my planetarium. So during junior and senior year of high school, I was in charge of a planetarium. That's where my love of space came from. Uh, by the way, that woman right there hired me. Thank you, ma'am, for my job. And she is my boss. Thank you for not firing me yet. Yet. Question. Cool events happening at the museum right now. If you want to see really cool things and you don't own your own telescope, come on out in two nights. Friday night, we have Family Star Party. We are joined by the MISO truck, which is a mobile Earth and Space Observatory, and the Colorado Springs Astronomical Society. So we will have anywhere in between 6 and 12 telescopes that are at least 8 inches across. You will see some wonders of the night sky. That is next, uh, and we have lots and lots of programming. Please check our website at discoverspace.org. Question. So Facebook alerted you there's an eclipse of some kind. Good. <laughs> so it is a partial lunar eclipse. It is happening Thursday into Friday. You do need to be up late. Uh, Friday night, we are having our star party in the evening of Friday, so we will not be looking at the lunar eclipse. It will have already happened. However, it is the longest partial lunar eclipse in terms of how long it's going to take in time in almost 600 years. That's why you got a Facebook notice. Thank you very much. Have fun, nerds. Thank you. Hello, hello. Testing, testing. One, two, one, two. Can you guys hear me? You can hear me. Yes. Woo! Thank you so much, Discovery Center Space Foundation. We love you. If you guys have not gone there yet, I, I'm guilty. I have not gone there yet. Uh, and, we, and we live like literally two minutes away. So we need to really go there. But I'm so happy that these guys came out and uh, presented and gave us some awesome nerdy information. Um, now, bop, bop. you know what time it is. It's nerd trivia time again. So again, as a reminder, I'm gonna ask you guys to please raise your hands nice, like nice little school boys and girls. And uh, if you know the answer, I'll call on you. So first question this round is, what do you call a word which is the same backwards as it is forwards? Nope. Yes, palindrome. Taco cat. Taco 
palindrome. I mean, come on, Taco Cat. Which space probe launched in 1977 terminated after 19 years by burning up in Saturn's atmosphere? Yes! The Cassini! Cassini Hookins! Last trivia question for the night. Last one for the night. Higher than a mile above sea level, what is the elevation of Colorado Springs? I've been looking at the Instagram and I see you guys are stepping up your game. I like it. I like it. So continue to like and comment on our Instagram at NerdNightCOS. And at the end of our final presenter, I will be announcing the winner and giving away the fantabulous prize that we have here as my, my Mr. Vanna White is going to be showing to you. Um, so please make sure that you continue, go fill your drinks, maybe get another snack, take a picture with Mandy Pan Photography, by the way, talking about, by the way, talking about holiday pictures, Miss Mandy Pan is going to be doing mini sessions right here in Kawadi for Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving Day, you guys will be able to take pictures, family pictures, pet pictures, kid pictures, like whatever pictures you want to take, she's going to be able to take them for you. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited about that. So we will see you guys back in about 15 minutes. Have fun. Shake 
take what your mama gave you, misbehave you. I just wanna strip you, dip you, flip you, bubble, babe you. What they do, taste my raindrops, cable. Now what you will and what you want and what you may do. Completely separated till I deeply penetrate it. Then I take it out and wipe it off. Eat it, ate it, love it, hate it, overstated, underrated. Everywhere I've been, can you wiggle, wiggle for the beat on double G again?
Testing, testing. Can we hear me? Look, no sound coming back, no bad sound coming back. So we, we're, we're honing in on it. All right, nerds, let's take our seats. Let's get ready for our last presentation of 2021. Yeah. All right, so uh, this next slide is going to tell us all it's going to be about. Boom. And with that... Let's all put our hands together and welcome our last presenter of 2021, Mr. Patrick Ryan. Thank you, sir. 
and then the down is for forward, okay. and the back, back is for that, and then you have the bottom one is for. Sounds good. All right, hello everybody. So I'm here to talk about the ultimate nerd. This guy was the coolest nerd on the planet before nerds were cool, and that is Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla wanted to be remembered as a discoverer. That's what he considered himself. I'm being herded. Gotcha, gotcha. And this was his, fav his favorite picture of himself. So most people, when I, when I first got a passion about Tesla, almost nobody knew who he was. It was about 10, 15 years ago. Everybody kept asking me, oh, the guy with the car. <laughs> no, that's Elon Musk. The company is named after Nikola Tesla. They use his electric motor in the vehicle. But that's about as far as the connection goes. All right. So Tesla started off as a scientist. Every geek in every school playing with chemicals, looking in the night sky, looking at thunderstorms and lightning. So how did Tesla impact us here today in this very space right now? Tesla pioneered how we use alternating current electricity. Our current power grid, how we power everything today, is still based off of his system. So none of the electricity, none of the lights, no, nothing in here that is electrical would be working right now if it wasn't for Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla invented the radio. Now another guy named Marconi got the Nobel Prize, but then right after Tesla's death, they didn't reverse the decision for the Nobel Prize, but they did reverse the decision for the patent. So Tesla is officially recognized as the inventor of the radio. Remote control. It undisputed inventor of remote control. Come on. So we use all kinds of remote control today. Just to give you an example of how far ahead of his time Nikola Tesla was, he offered the United States military remote control drones for our war effort. You would think, oh, well, that must have been World War II because he died in 1943. That'd be a great guess, but you'd be wrong. So maybe Tesla offered us remote control drones for World War I. Again, you would be wrong. Tesla offered the United States military remote control drones in the forms of boats and torpedoes for the Spanish-American War. They did not take him up on his offer because they did not believe there were these invisible forces known as radio waves that you could control. They thought his demonstration was a carnival trick, so they didn't fund the project. But we could have had these type of drones for World War I and II had they listened to Tesla. This is Tesla in 1898 giving this demonstration for remote control. He gave a public demonstration at Madison Square Garden and he gave a private demonstration to the military off of Long Island. He had this little torpedo boat swimming around 
the swimming pool and he would flicker the lights, he would control this remotely, and he would have people ask the boat mathematical questions and it would flash the answers. And people actually thought, they even wrote it up in the paper, that they speculated he had a trained monkey in the device that was paddling it around and that's how he was doing the trick. X-rays. Tesla discovered X-rays. He called them shadowgraphs. Tesla realized that X-rays were dangerous and that they could harm you. So he put his discovery on the shelf until he could figure out how to make it safe. The Nobel Prize hadn't even been invented yet when Tesla discovered X-rays. Years later, another man by the name of Rogen got the Nobel Prize for discovering X-rays. So Tesla sent him a letter of congratulations with some x-rays he had taken of Mark Twain six years prior. Rogen asked Tesla, if you had already discovered x-rays, why didn't you say anything? And Tesla said, I realized they weren't safe, so I put them on the shelf till I could figure out how to make them safe, but then he got distracted inventing something else. But it's commonly accepted today that the first x-rays ever taken were of Mark Twain by Nikola Tesla. And this is Nikola Tesla's foot. That hand that we just saw was Mark Twain's hand. So Mark Twain and Nikola Tesla were friends. This is Tesla in the background. And that's Mark Twain visiting Nikola Tesla's New York laboratory. So they were both members of the Players Club in New York City. So all the social elites, all the famous actors and actresses of the time would all hang out at the Players Club. And then Mark Twain would bring the after parties to Tesla's lab so that they could see what he called the future. This is Mark Twain again holding a bulb that's being lit remotely in Tesla's lab in New York City. <laughs> so Tesla had this dream to work for the great Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was a pioneer American inventor, and Tesla, all in Serbia, back where he's from, everyone in the world heard about Edison, the light bulb that he had the first power grid going up in New York City. Tesla had this vision about alternating current, and he saw the limitations of DC, and he said, if I can get these plans to Thomas Edison, he'll see what I'm talking about and we can work together. But it didn't actually work out that way. Edison became very jealous of Tesla. Edison is being called the genius of the century and yet he knows who the true genius is and it's Nikola Tesla and it just bothered him and this rivalry developed between them. So alternating current is what we use today. The difference between Edison and Tesla's system, if we had stuck with Edison's system of direct current, you would need to build a power station about every two miles, and you would need a copper line as thick as my forearm. Tesla's system, you can transmit that same amount of power hundreds of miles, and you only need an electric line as thick as my pinky. So Edison won the popularity contest. And everybody backed Edison. 
But once you got out of New York City, like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, they couldn't afford to build a power station every two miles from New York City to their cities. So when they sat down and did the math, everybody started to realize, hey, we need to go with this Tesla system, not the Edison system. All right. So this gentleman is George Westinghouse. And we owe him a lot of thanks because he saw Tesla's system, he saw the potential and the future use of it, and he backed Tesla when nobody else would. When Tesla finally left Thomas Edison, nobody would hire him. Edison had him blacklisted. So for about two years, Tesla was banished, and he had to dig ditches for the Edison Electric Company just to be able to eat. And George Westinghouse literally pulled him out of the ditch and paid him for his patents. A lot of people think George Westinghouse took advantage of Tesla, and that is just not true. There's another guy, J.P. Morgan. He consolidated the steel industry. He consolidated the railroad industry. And then he decided to consolidate the electric industry. He tried to muscle George Westinghouse out of his own company, and he tried to use Tesla's contract with Westinghouse to do that. He took Edison Electric away from Thomas Edison, removed him from his board of directors, and combined it with another company, which today is now General Electric. But if it wasn't for George Westinghouse, we wouldn't have the alternating current when we did. J.P. Morgan would have brought it out a lot later and cost us a lot more money. George Westinghouse went to Tesla and said, hey, this contract we've signed, this is what they're using to remove me as head of my company. Can I pay you your royalties on deferment? And Tesla said, no, you cannot. Ripped up the contract and said, you believed in me when nobody else did. You don't owe me anything else. So this is the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago. It was the most attended World's Fair in history. Anyone who was any, everyone was there. Mark Twain was there, Thomas Edison was there, Sitting Bull, Annie Oakley, Theodore Roosevelt, Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla. It is also the first World's Fair in history that was lit with electric lights. And George Westinghouse, through his business since outbidded Thomas Edison and J.P. Morgan to light the 1893 World's Fair and to put Tesla on center stage, which literally made him a rock star. So why, don't we, why didn't people know about Tesla when I was growing up in the 70s and the 80s? What happened? This gentleman right here, J.P. Morgan, he basically had Tesla erased from history. So after the 1893 World's Fair, people are putting up AC power grids. J.P. Morgan's upset about this because it's costing him money because he backed Edison. That's when he took Edison out of his own company. He's, he eventually did force George Westinghouse out of his company and he took over the industry. He also funded the tower that Tesla built on Long Island. Then he orchestrated 
the stock market crash, which made the material costs go up, Tesla went over budget, and that's when he shut the project down. And he told Tesla, I am not in the business of providing the world with free power. If I can't put a meter on it, sell it by the gallon or the barrel, I'm not interested. And he had Tesla erased from history. So this is Sarah Bernhardt. She is considered the most famous actress the world has ever known. She dominated the silent film era. Tesla was kind of a player, and he dated all the rich and famous women of his time. Tesla had OCD, and he was also a germaphobe. We kind of can identify today with germophobia because of COVID and everything that's going on. Tesla almost died of cholera as a kid, and when he looked at water under a microscope for the first time, and all the little microbes, it, he just freaked out. And so he didn't like touching people's hands, touching their hair. Uh, he had to have 18 napkins to wipe his mouth when he ate. Um, he really obsessed about that. So that kind of prevented him from having an intimate relationship. But he still courted and dated a lot of these famous women. But Sarah was the only one that really, really got under his skin. He said that when she was around, he couldn't even do basic mathematics. He couldn't concentrate. And it was affecting his research, so he eventually broke it off with her. She did stalk him for a while. She didn't take the news very well. But everybody was in love with Sarah Bernhardt. Sarah Bernhardt dominated the silent film era. A lot of people think the rivalry between Edison and Tesla is purely the technology, and you'd be wrong. Thomas Edison controlled the silent film era. He controlled every aspect of it. He had the patent rights on the film camera, the studios, how to process the films, and he was in love with Sarah Bernhardt. Mark Twain was in love with Sarah Bernhardt. Sarah was in love with Tesla. This drove Thomas Edison crazy. And so this is also part of the rivalry that they had. Now, Tes uh, Sarah says she met Tesla at a Players Club event in New York City. And the grand champion of billiards was doing trick shots for everybody at the club. And she says that Tesla walked up to her, whispered in her ear, I'm going to beat this grand champion right here, right now, for you. And then did. And then when he was finished, he walked by her again and said, this is just simple mathematics. But that would be the equivalent of some nobody walking into the, a pool hall and beating the world champion of billiards on a whim. That's what Tesla did. So when you think of Thomas Edison, think of Tony Soprano. Thomas Edison in your history books has been glamorized as this great American, this great inventor. But actually, a lot of his employees invented these inventions, the light bulbs, the electric pen, and such. Edison put his name on the patents, and he controlled it. Um, Tony and Edison are, are very much alike. They're both from New York and New Jersey. They're both highly charismatic. People like them. People wanted to work for them and work with them. But if you got on their bad side, they were high-functioning sociopaths. So if you got in the way of Tony's big money, 
or Ed, Edison's patent money if they couldn't get their police and politicians in their pocket to come shut you down. Eventually, they would send a crew of guys out. Tony sends the mafia crew out. Edison had a crew of guys called the muckers. And they would show up at your business, bust you out, take all your money, and burn your business to the ground. So why do you think the film industry is in Southern California and not in New York and New Jersey where it all started? When we finally had the technology to add sound to film, Edison stalls it because he doesn't own the patent rights to that. And the film industry realized if we want to evolve and we want to continue to expand, we have to get away from Thomas Edison. So they went as far away from New York and New Jersey as they possibly could and still be in the continental United States just to get away from Edison. When they made the move to Southern California, there was nothing out there, it was frontier. And the Edison men pursued them and they would all shut their studios down and go hide in Baja. So if an entire industry had to uproot and relocate just to be able to conduct business, what do you think Tesla went through every time he opposed Thomas Edison? It's not a coincidence that every laboratory Tesla ever built was vandalized, burnt to the ground, and destroyed. This is Thomas Edison's muckers. These are the guys that would show up and burn your business to the ground if you got on the wrong side of Thomas Edison. This is Tesla's laboratory in New York City burning to the ground. So when Thomas Edison heard that Mark Twain is hanging out with Tesla in this laboratory, especially when he heard Sarah Bernhardt was going there, he lost it. And then suddenly Tesla's lab is burnt to the ground. A lot of inventions that he hadn't released yet were destroyed and could not be reduplicated. So we lost a lot of stuff on that day. Tesla needed a new place to conduct research. So that's what brings Tesla to Colorado Springs. Tesla was, he needed a space that was at high altitude and he needed it to be a low population area because of the dangerous effects he was going to create man-made lightning storms and such. So here in Colorado Springs, General Palmer, the founder, he's trying to get all the elites in New York and New Jersey and Chicago and Philadelphia to come out here to Colorado Springs to the frontier. He's really trying to get his wife, Queen, to come out here, but she doesn't want to come out here. She likes New York, she likes London, she likes Paris. So General Palmer starts this campaign here in Colorado Springs and they start calling Colorado Springs Little London. They start having all the fashions from London shipped out here. When they hear that Tesla's lab is burnt down, they're just now starting to build their own power grid here. They said, hey, why don't we get Tesla to come out here and relocate his lab in Colorado Springs? So a guy by the name of Leonard Curtis, who worked for the city of Colorado Springs, reached out to George Westinghouse, who he knew personally, and asked for an introduction with Tesla. They then, the city of Colorado Springs, then offered Tesla free land and free power if he would bring his laboratory to Colorado Springs. Tesla needed an area of high altitude and not a very dense population, so it worked out pretty well. The city thought that they would get a new invention about every two months. 
But that's not exactly what happened. So this is what Colorado Springs looked like when Nikola Tesla came here. So we would probably be right about here where we're sitting today. It was still a Wild West type town. Oh. So where did Tesla stay when he came? General Palmer owned the Antlers Hotel. The Antlers today is on the same spot that the original hotel was on. I think we're on the fourth version of the Antlers Hotel. Tesla could not stay at the Antlers Hotel. It had burnt down the year before. He stayed at the Alta Vista Hotel. Today, where the Alta Vista was is right on Cascade, the Kirkpatrick Bank Building right next to the library. That is where the Alta Vista Hotel was. Uh. So this is Tesla's experimental station. This is an actual photograph of it. If you look in the background, that is the Union Printer's home. That still exists today. It was shut down, I think, just before COVID. It was a nursing home. So all the printers, when they retired, would come to this home. They always had a lung element because of the ink, and then people were coming here because of TB. So they built this nursing home, this retirement home for them. On the other side of this laboratory is the School for the Blind and Deaf, which is still up today. Those were the only two structures on that side of town when Tesla was here. The reason why Tesla put his lab on that spot is there was a four-inch water main that connected the Union Printer's home to the School for the Blind and Deaf, and he was grounding out his experiments on that water line. This is another picture. The, the front of the lab faced towards Pikes Peak. The neighborhood that you can, you can't find any remnants of it today, but if you were to go to the corner of Foot Avenue and Kiowa Street, that's about where the lab was. The entrance faced Sheraton Avenue. It's a one block up the hill from Memorial Park. All right. And I'm going in the wrong direction. So this is a famous picture of Tesla here in Colorado Springs. It is a composite picture. So Tesla sat there. They took the picture. Tesla then got out of there. They turned the power on. Then they combined the two pictures and published it. Thomas Edison almost electrocuted himself trying to recreate that picture. This is a copy of the sign that Tesla had outside his lab here in Colorado Springs. It says, great danger, keep out. He drew a little electrical symbol. That's Tesla right there peeking out of his laboratory. I'm going, sorry about that. Come on.
This is a colorized picture of the same uh, photograph. I think the batteries are going bad in this thing. So this was the historical marker in Memorial Park. It was put up in the 60s. I came to visit Colorado Springs for the first time in 2017. I was coming to a writer's conference and I was also coming to do research for my book. And I could not find that marker anywhere. What I found was the remnants of that marker. So I grabbed somebody in Memorial Park and I said, what the hell happened to this memorial to Tesla? And he said, oh, a windstorm came through, took out a tree, the tree crushed it, and we're probably not going to replace it. And I sat there in distress. I was like, God, can't my hero get a break? I mean, if Thomas Edison himself had cut that tree down to crush the memorial, I could accept that. But an act of God, I couldn't accept. So, I posted on Facebook right away a little video. It's like, can't my hero get a break? And Stan Mullins is a famous artist and sculptor from where I'm from, Athens, Georgia. He was the first to respond, and he said, well, Patrick, it's not like you don't know anybody who can't build a statue. And I said, you would actually do that? And he said, absolutely. So that was a picture that I, I just went through. That was Stan with Herschel Walker. He did the Herschel Walker statue from the University of Georgia. This is the Vince Dooley statue. He just did the Chief Tomatichi statue for the city of Atlanta. This is our very first meeting when we decided to plan the Tesla statue. I think the batteries. <laughs> I'm just hitting it once. <laughs> Try a new battery. All right. So this is a mock-up, a, a miniature of the statue that we're going to build here in Colorado Springs. This is a better layout. It's going to bring a bronze statue with Tesla's assistant, Coleman Zito, kneeling in front of him, put a, a bulb to the ground. It's going to have a marble base that kind of looks like the alternating current dynamo, and the statue is going to use augmented reality. So if you have the app on your phone and you run your camera over the image of the statue, the bulb will light up and then Tesla will turn to you on your phone and tell you his story here in Colorado Springs. It's very Harry Potter. Um, it's kind of like those interactive wine labels from uh, 19 Crimes that will talk to you. So I had to do something that Tesla himself would appreciate. There we go. All right. So I think the statue's coming along pretty nicely. So I've got this page up about the statue. Stan and I are working on creating the funding for it. We're going to crowdfund it. This past June, though, I got a really interesting phone call. Out of the blue, some cemetery in New York City calls me and says, Mr. Ryan, we saw your, your statue project online, and you've got a guy in there by the name of Coleman Zito, and 
we did not realize that Mr. Zito was Tesla's assistant, but he is actually buried in an unmarked grave in our cemetery. And now that we know his his historical significance, we're going to finally mark his grave. And they sent me this picture. So that is Julius Zito. And where these flowers are is where Coleman Zito. So Stan and I are now working with that cemetery to finally mark Coleman Zito's grave after 160 years. Now, Coleman Zito saved Nikola Tesla's life right here in Colorado Springs. So in 1916, Tesla received the Edison Medal for Electrical Achievement. And at that award ceremony, the master of ceremony asked Tesla to relate to the audience times he had almost lost his life during his experiments. And one of those times he talks about is right here in Colorado Springs. He said he had a device that when he turned it on, it would affect the weather and it would create instant fog so thick you could not see your own hand in front of your face. It then started to resonate in a dangerous way and he went to shut the device off and the handle broke and he couldn't shut it off. He also could not leave the laboratory because the effect of the device was expanding and blocking his only exit. He then tried to crawl underneath it and contemplated his own death when his assistant, Comanzito, who was supposed to be downtown at the train yard getting a special delivery for Tesla, shut the power off from the outside and saved Tesla's life. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to include Comanzito in the statue, because we always hear about these famous people, but who helped them? Who were their helpers? And so Comanzito was Nikola Tesla's right arm. This is a picture of Comanzito with the big handlebar mustache. Now, the original face of Comanzito on the statue was going to be David Bowie. Because we weren't aware of any existing pictures of Comanzito. There, there was none on the internet. David Bowie portrayed Nikola Tesla in the movie The Prestige. And that was a, one of the best depictions of Tesla. And so we decided to pay homage to Bowie as well. But now that we know we have a real picture of Coleman Zito, we're going to have to make some modifications. So we just had the 150-year celebration here in Colorado Springs. And the city called me up, and they said, Mr. Ryan, you're our Tesla expert, and we would like you to play Tesla for the parade. And I said, well, you know, Tesla's tall and thin, and I'm not. <laughs> but I know a guy. Mr. Tom Lazaro, he owns his own uh, realty here in um, Colorado Springs. He likes to cosplay Dr. Strange. Me, him, and a lot of other people here from Colorado Springs go to an annual convention in Atlanta called Dragon Con. And we all cosplay and have a great time. Tom is always Dr. Strange, and I thought, well, he would make a pretty good Tesla if I can get him to shave. So I called Tom up, and he stepped up to the challenge, and I think he makes a pretty damn good Tesla. So the cemetery calls me back just before the parade, and they said, Mr. Ryan, turns out Coleman Zito's family plot is still controlled by the family, and we just contacted the descendants. So the day of the parade, I talked to Coleman Zito's great-great-grandson and sent him a picture. 
And he got to see that his great-great-grandfather was being depicted here in Colorado Springs and finally getting some recognition. We hammed it up. We had a great time at the parade. These are the guys that built the float for the parade. And then after the parade was over, Tom and I went to the Pioneers Museum and I had, I had his picture professionally taken by the image of Tesla. So I think he did a pretty good job. Now, where can you see Tesla around town? This painting is in the Mining Exchange Building, right next to the bathroom. This is on a switch box here in town, real close to the Pioneers Museum. This book right here, Lightning in His Hand, this was written by two women right here in Colorado Springs in the 60s. They are responsible for the original memorial that went in Memorial Park to Tesla. They interviewed all the surviving people who were still alive when Tesla was here in the 60s. Or they interviewed their sons and daughters or grandsons and daughters and got eyewitness testimony of what Tesla was doing here and all the fantastic stuff that happened. So if you want to get involved somehow, we've got a Facebook page, we've got a web page, we've got a, a petition that you can sign. Take a picture of this if you'd like. Um, this is a good way to get a, in touch with me. If you want to see some of the artwork that Stan has done, um, his site is on here as well. Do we have any questions about Tesla? Did Tesla short out the power grid here in Colorado Springs? So when I first got to Colorado Springs, I met Matt Mayberry, director of the Pioneers Museum. And he tells me, you know, that's an old wise tale, Patrick. That didn't really happen. There's a Tesla archive here in Colorado Springs in the Carnegie Special Collections. So I went over there. I said, hey, I'd like to see the Tesla archive. The wall went up. <laughs> they finally brought it out. They said, well, you can look at it, but you can't take, make any copies. Yet everything on the wall says you can make copies. So I opened the lid of the collection and it had all the contact information for the orig original sources. So I emailed them, I went to lunch, I came back, and I said, Mr. Ryan, you have been given permission to make copies of anything you want. In that collection, I found a bill from the city to Nikola Tesla asking him to repair the dynamo that he shorted out. So if it never happened, why is the city billing him for it? So I was able to prove definitively that it did happen. Now, it didn't happen like Hollywood said, like everything shut down. There was only lights being powered back then, and Tesla shorted out the power grid about 2 o'clock in the morning, and they immediately went to the backup dynamo. So it really wasn't that big of a deal, but to the city it was a big deal. Any other questions? Conspiracy theories? I don't know what the cost was, but I know that Tesla and Zito rebuilt it from scratch. It took them about a week. So Nikola Tesla is also the world's very first X-File. So long before there was an alien crash in 1947, 
And Project Paperclip that brought all the Nazi scientists and their projects here at the end of the war. In 1943, Tesla dies. When he dies, the War Department picked up the phone. They called the FBI. And J. Edgar Hoover himself mobilized every available agent and they went anywhere and everywhere that Tesla had ever been and they seized everything. They came here to Colorado Springs and seized about 70 crates of, of materials. Everything then was taken to alien property storage. So if you're a foreign national and you die on U.S. soil, your belongings are kept there until your family overseas can make arrangements to collect it. They then brought in an expert, Donald Trump's uncle. John Trump was a famous scientist at MIT and the OSS, which is now the CIA, brought him in and said, okay, look at this collection. So he made an official statement that what he saw was mostly science fiction rather than science fact, but then they classified the entire collection and sequestered it for over 10 years. Nobody was allowed access to it for 10 years. We do know that a lot of the collections ended up in Wright-Patterson Airfield. So the death ray and all these other things that we've heard about probably did exist and they're sitting on the shelf somewhere in some laboratory probably at Wright-Patterson. Thank you very much. Hello, testing, testing, one, two, one, two. Thank you. All right, everyone. So, it is time. First of all, I want to make sure that you guys take a picture of this and go on there, visit that, sign that petition. We need a statue of Nikola Tesla and his assistant. We need that in this community because that is a part of Colorado Springs, is it not? All right. So, now, there is no more trivia tonight. That has ended. No more nerd rope is going to be given tonight. However, we do have this amazing prize and I have been peeping our amazing Instagram, and I have chosen a winner. It, it, it is done. So there is someone out here today that, that liked us and posted a comment that's, that reads, if plastic is derived from fossil fuels and fossil fuels came from dead dinosaurs, does that mean plastic dinosaurs are made from real dinosaurs? <laughs> and this person is, the handle is uh, Eve8368, Nikita Baliev? Is there a Nikita Baliev in the audience? Nikita, Nikita, anyone? Nikita, I see a Nikita, I hear a Nikita. No, no one. Oh man, okay, okay. I have, I have a backup. 
You have to be present to win these contests. So, Mr. Michael Pack sent the, text, the message, the comment, Tesla rules. So does Patrick. I will hand it over to Mr. Michael Pack. Come and claim your prize, please. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Awesome. So, the next Nerd Night at Kawadi, we are skipping December. We are not going to compete with all of your amazing holiday parties. So, we are going to come back on Wednesday, January 19th, the third Wednesday in January. We're coming back. We're going to have an amazing show for you planned, I promise you. Beer, nerds, trivia, fun, all the good things. This is not, this doesn't want to work for me. Hello. Next, next slide, Vanna White, come on, work. Yes, okay, so just because we are not going to be here, live for you in December. It doesn't mean that we're not going to do anything. So we will be very active on all of our social media, on Facebook, on Instagram. So actually, we are going to be in Miami in December. Oh, poor us. Oh, oh. We are going to be live streaming the, Dece the December Miami Nerd Night from our Facebook. So if you didn't have a reason to follow us on Facebook, now you do because it's going to be amazing because Miami is awesome. And Flip might be one of the presenters for Miami Nerd Night. So we'll keep you posted. Um, ah, hold on, let's see. Ah. Again, if you have any posting, if you have any presenting ideas, please email us, nerdnightcos at gmail.com. We would love to feature you guys on this beautiful stage that we have here. Um, next awesome community event. So Flip and I, Sophisticated Events, AKA, we also host an amazing night that is also a cool, fun uh, date night or f friends night. It's called Memoirs, True Stories Unfiltered. It is a true storytelling event where we have three presenters talk about a theme that we have chosen for, thing, for uh, November. We have chosen Thankful for the Obstacles. So this Monday, November 22nd, we will have our final memoirs of the season of 2021. Ba, 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 ba. Yes, there's something else. Boom. All right. That is it. You guys made it through Nerd Night. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for supporting us. We appreciate you all, and we can't wait to see you in January when we come back and have an amazing time again.
short amount of time. Everything that's fucking fine, I go to dang mine. Met you when I was like maybe 15 years old. You do just act a little older. Plus, I heard you came from Arizona. And that was due, so I was popping up at house parties, riding fucking dirty with the older niggas riding for me. And they just taught me how the game works. I said, fuck it, I'ma put the rock and buy a lot of dumb shit. But fuck it, was my initial thought when I had met you. I was sitting in the bleachers when your girls approached me. And they threw away your number like it wasn't taking that something. I told them, baby, I'm nothing. Say why you wanna do me? They get go and walked away. I prayed to God. It felt so right. I never knew the devil fucking with this night. So if you ever try to blame it on me, no, I blame it on my dick. No, I'm sick. Yeah. Run to you. Yeah. Nakakainis talaga siya. Pero iniisip ko na mahal na mahal. Parang palagi kami magkasama pero may tiwala na ako sa kanya eh. Lahat na ibang tao na dumating bago sa kanya, wala na sila. Run through your clip, you piss don't trip. I'ma have to brush you with your lips and the whips. Better have a whole lot of chips, cause I ain't for no duper giving tips. Run through your clip, you piss don't trip. I'ma have to brush you with your lips and the whips. Better have a whole lot of chips, cause I ain't for no duper giving tips. 19, I got a new meaning. Rock monk beats, got same searching for a deeper meaning. Still burning women. What a deadly contradiction, nigga, turn you with the physical and spiritual. Looking back over my life, man, what a fucking trip. I could have loved this bitch and lost myself so I could please a bitch and never please a bitch. That's what I learned and then I went away from everything. I started searching for one well. Uh, more bitches, more money, more drugs. How my niggas started robbing, went west, started chugging, pick rapping, they chose. I blew my crew, got big split wigs, still rob more rap. We battle, we fight, we one big one. No pun, all skill, no bitch in my click. Young nigga, no whip. My niggas legit and I pray for my clan and my squad while I run through your clip. You pissed on trip. I'ma have to brush you with your lips and the whips. Better have a whole lot of chips, cause I ain't for no be giving tips. Run through your clip. You pissed on trip. I'ma have to brush you with your lips and the whips. Better have a whole lot of chips, cause I ain't for no life for no run through your run through your clip.
Let's get high. Uh-huh. 